Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, the Texas History Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Wise. I want to thank you very much for your interest in Texas history and for tuning into this podcast. I want to start the show today with a big announcement. Uh, As of this episode, when this episode downloads to the subscribers of the show, and I hope you're a subscriber of the show. If not, go to iTunes and hit subscribe to make sure you get the latest episodes. When this episode downloads, we will have over 100,000 downloads of Wise About Texas. 100,000. I never dreamed that this pet history project of mine would become so popular. I'm grateful, of course. I want to spread the message of Texas history, and apparently it's working. I hope you'll take a minute to tell a friend about the podcast, and let's continue to preserve and promote Texas history. Well, there's some other stuff happening in connection with the podcast. I'm recording this in June 2017, and this month I'll be doing some video introducing some historical sites that are going to be covered by a Central Texas newspaper, so they're going to publish my video introductions to those historical sites. And along those lines, I've got some other ideas. I'm talking to some organizations about doing some more video in connection with the podcast. Um, I think that that's a great way to promote not just the podcast, but the Texas history locations that we travel to. I might set up a facility for listeners to send their videos. If you're on your summer travels and traveling to some Texas history sites, be sure and send me some tweets, some videos, and uh, Facebook some videos, and let's we'll get those out through the podcast social media. Well, we just finished the se- the season of the anniversary of the Texas Revolution, but there's one story with the Texas Revolution that I forgot to cover this year. I didn't, uh, it just didn't fit in with the program schedule. So I want to cover it today. And even though it's summertime, and I know that we're all thinking about traveling, we're all thinking about the beach, we're all thinking about some summer themes, uh, this particular story has a little bit of a nautical bent. So it's going to fit in just a little bit with that theme. But it's a story that's so interesting to tell, and it's really not discussed a lot in Texas history, but it had a big impact on what eventually kept the Republic of Texas free and safe. So let's head down to the Texas coast in 1836 and get wise about Texas. All right, after the Battle of San Jacinto, let's uh, recall where everybody was. We captured Santa Ana at San Jacinto, but the other Mexican generals and the other parts of the Mexican army were not that far away. The main body of the army was near Fort Bend and up and down the Brazos and was not exactly ready because they turned out they were stuck in the mud, which is another episode that I want to cover. But they were prepared, at least, to continue the war. As a matter of fact, the Mexican government eventually refused to recognize the treaties of Velasco, saying that because Santa Ana was a prisoner, that they weren't really valid. But in the immediate aftermath of San Jacinto, the Texans had that problem of those armies. That's why San Jacinto, that's why Sam Houston keeping Santa Ana alive was so critically important so that he could issue the orders that would result in the Mexican army leaving. But even though Santa Ana issued those orders, there was still a lot of fear that the Mexican army was going to regroup both in Texas and in Mexico resupply and continue the war against the Texans. And of course, that would have been devastating. So Secretary of War Thomas Rusk 
decided to send some troops to patrol the Texas coast, and he picked a gentleman named Isaac Burton, who had a company of Texas Rangers. So let me tell you a little bit about Isaac Burton. Burton was born in Georgia in 1805. He was raised near Augusta, Georgia. He was appointed to West Point in 1822, the class of 1822, excuse me. Now, one account I read of Burton's appointment said that it was unsolicited, uh, so I'm not real sure about that, but uh, it's interesting to solve that problem given his lack of success at West Point. Well, one of his classmates, by the way, was General Albert Sidney Johnston, who was the subject of episode 17 of Wise About Texas. He was in Isaac Burton's class. Well, Burton was kicked out of West Point only a year later in 1823, and Burton actually wrote a memoir. It's an incomplete memoir, and it's not published It's in the Maribou B. Lamar papers in the State Archives in Austin. But Burton says that he left West Point, quote, not for the want of capacity, but for utter want of application and perfect recklessness of consequences. So it sounds like young Isaac Burton was not really suited for a regimented life. Now, I'm not going to comment on my own academic career, uh, but I can certainly sympathize a little bit with that statement. Anyway, uh, Burton went back to Georgia after leaving West Point. He floundered around in several attempts to make a living, including spending some time in the Rocky Mountains as a hunter and a trapper, which, of course, was about as hard a life as you can imagine at the time, being a mountain man. That same memoir he wrote says that he returned, quote, in great poverty and prostration from disease, close quote. So the Rocky Mountains was a difficult existence for him and he clearly needed a little direction. Well, he got back to Georgia. He fell in love with a lady named Martha Lacey. Miss Lacey's family was moving her to Texas, so he followed, and he followed the Lacey family, and he set up near Nacogdoches, Texas, was eventually elected an officer in Bullock's militia. Now, This is Texas in the 1820s, or early 1830s, excuse me. We're in the early 1830s, and these are the beginnings of the centralist-federalist disputes in Texas, and there was a battle for Nacogdoches, and Bullock's militia was one of the units that was formed uh, during this time. Well, Burton was an officer, but apparently his opinion of authority Uh, hung over a little bit from his opinion he must have held at West Point because he wrote this about his commander, Bullock. He wrote, quote, Bullock was a brave and a good militia bugle man, but in other respects an ass and not capable of bearing the smallest particle of responsibility without having his brains turned upside down, close quote. Um, I cannot wait to use that description sometime, but that was a very artful way to say he didn't care too much for Bullock. Nevertheless, the Battle of Nacogdoches was won, and uh, Piedra's forces were kicked out of Nacogdoches, and after that little conflict, Burton became, uh, of all things, a teacher, given his lack of academic bent. Uh, He also did some surveying in East Texas. But in 1835, Isaac Burton became a Texas Ranger, and he was charged with raising a company in East Texas. He was told to headquarter on the Sabine River and raise a company from the men of East Texas. Now, by 1835, from 1832, as we know, the listeners of this podcast know, that the troubles escalated 
and uh, would eventually explode in 1836. So Burton got his rangers together, and once he had them together, though, he deserted them. And he deserted them when it became apparent that Sam Houston was going to meet Santa Ana somewhere in southeast Texas. He left his ranger company, and he went to San Jacinto to fight, and he fought as a private. Um, Now, think about this. The East Texas scene at that time, the runaway scrapes, many of the people were fleeing through East Texas. Many of them fled to Galveston. Many of them fled uh, northeast toward Natchitoches, Louisiana. And also remember the U.S. troops under General Gaines near Natchitoches, Louisiana. And remember also uh, one of the early episodes where we discussed San Jacinto on this podcast, there were some U.S. soldiers that... uh, were characterized as deserters that came down to fight at San Jacinto. So I wonder, uh, and I'll wonder out loud, whether Burton got word from some of those folks that San Jacinto was going to occur. But nevertheless, he left his company, went down and fought at San Jacinto. After the Battle of San Jacinto, he returned to his ranger company. Uh, He took his ranger company and he followed Thomas Rusk, the Secretary of War, down to Victoria and Goliad, And at this time, Rusk ordered Burton's troop to scout the central coast of Texas. Well, why would he do this? Well, they were still concerned, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, about the resupply of the Mexican forces. If the Mexican forces were retreating and met up with the supply ships that they feared were coming, then disaster might strike, the Mexicans might regroup, and the revolution might not quite be over. Rusk's order to Burton, by the way, is in the uh, Rosenberg Library in Galveston. So Burton took his ranger company, and he started patrolling a lot of those ranches. Just, I'm going to call it the Refurio area, but it's that entire coastal bend in Texas. Now, in episode 36 of Wise About Texas, we talked about the Battle of Refurio, and we talked about a couple of the other battles that occurred in that area right before San Jacinto. So we're only about three months from that agitation. And part of that process, part of those battles, included some of the local rancheros who were assisting General Urea against the Texans. So what Burton was doing was he was going around to these ranches and just, uh, let's put it mildly, checking on things to figure out who was loyal and who was not. Um, Well, while he was down there checking those ranches, he heard that there was a ship in Copano Bay. And so he took 20 of his rangers and he set up at Copano Landing. Now, there used to be a town called Copano. And by the way, I'm going to just pronounce it Copano. A lot of people pronounce it Copano, but and you can feel free to email me and let me know uh, what the correct pronunciation is. But for this podcast, we're going to call it Copano. There was a town at the time on the bay, and what he did was he set up his rangers in the brush, invisible to any ships that were in the bay, and he sent two guys out onto the beach to signal this ship to come in. Now, we don't know for sure exactly how far out into the bay this ship was, but they could read the name, and they could make out that the ship was called the Watchman, and it turns out the Watchman was an American ship chartered by the Mexicans to supply the army. So the watchman is out in the bay. He sends these two guys out on the beach to signal for the ship to send its tender in and or the ship's boat, as they call it. Well, some stories, some accounts of this 
experience say that um, the watchman raised an American flag and that the Rangers didn't respond and that the watchman raised a Texas flag, but the Rangers didn't respond. And then the watchman raised a Mexican flag and the Rangers went nuts trying to decoy the watchman in because they knew that it was there to supply the Mexican army. But Burton wrote an account, two different accounts actually, of the capture of this ship. And in neither one did he mention the whole flag incident, but it does make for a colorful addition to the story. In any event, the, the ship's boat was signaled. It did come in with five men, and of course Burton and his rangers immediately captured those five men. He then loaded the boat with 16 men, 16 rangers, and he took the boat back out to the watchman, boarded, and captured the ship. And on the ship, Burton records that there were 400 barrels of bread, 30 tierces of rice, 90 barrels of beans. Um, there's also, in one account, an allegation that there was a Mexican warship sent to escort the watchman, uh, but that ship must have taken off because the rangers never saw it. So uh, Burton enthusiastically reports that he's captured the watchman and he has all this cargo. And Rusk, interestingly said, give her the cargo back and let her go on her way, which was an odd order to come from Rusk. Um, and one writer, um, when commentating on this, mentions that right about this time, Rusk had been in Goliad. And when, he, when Thomas Rusk got to Goliad, he saw the charred remains of the the victims of the Goliad massacre, which he then buried, um, and they rest in the same place today. And so he might have been in a bit of a foul mood, but he eventually changed that order, and he ordered Burton to take the watchman to Velasco, where they would adjudicate the capture of the ship. Now, um, remember from episode one of Wise About Texas, the first judges of Texas, one of the judges I talked about was my old friend Benjamin Cromwell Franklin, and we talked about the creation by David Burnett of the Court of the District of Brazos, created on May 8, 1836, to adjudicate the capture of the U.S. brigantine, the Pocket. So I suspect, and this is just suspicion, I suspect that between the time Rusk first heard of the Watchman's capture and the time he changed his order, he probably realized or was informed that that court existed at Velasco and they could properly adjudicate the capture of the ship because he knew that the Mexicans were using U.S. shipping to uh, supply some of their needs. And so uh, instead of worrying about the capture of the watchman, he probably figured they could fix it. That's just my thought, but this all happened within days. So uh, the creation of the court, the capture of the ship, the changing of the order to take the ship to Velasco. So I think that's probably what happened. Anyway, Burton couldn't get the ship out of the bay. Uh, the winds were against him, and they couldn't get across the bar, so he was waiting to leave. While he was waiting to leave, two more ships appear on the horizon, and they anchor right off the bar. One ship was called the Comanche, the other was called the Fannie Mae, and Burton knew immediately that they were there following the watchman to resupply the Mexican army. So Burton had all his men conceal themselves, and he ordered the watchman to raise a flag to hail the Fannie Mae and the Comanche. Sure enough, it worked. The captains of each of those ships 
came ashore. When they came ashore, Burton and his men said, hey, why don't you all come? They didn't capture them right away. They said, why don't you all come out to the watchman and let's all have a drink? And so they did. And once they got them on the watchman, they took them prisoner. They said, we now own the Comanche and the Fannie Mae in the name of Texas. And uh, the captains had nothing, uh, no other option but to capitulate and agree to sail back to Velasco. So Isaac Burton and a few Texas Rangers had now captured three ocean-going vessels without firing a single shot. They uh, man the various ships with various rangers, and they take all three ships to Velasco. At Velasco, uh, the court of the District of Brazos that I mentioned earlier uh, held a trial and adjudged that the cargo of the watchman was indeed, and the Fannie Mae and the Comanche were indeed the property of the Republic of Texas. That petition in that case, by the way, uh, survives in Benjamin Cromwell's papers at the University of Texas. Well, President uh, David Burnett, the president of the New Republic of Texas, ordered uh, the master of the watchman, being an American ship under charter, he ordered him to be paid and uh, essentially what amounts to a rental fee for the detention of the ship, and that he ordered that Burton and his men were entitled to almost $10,000 for capturing these ships. So he, uh, $10,000 in 1836 was quite a bit of money, had it been worth anything, but of course this was going to be Republic of Texas money, so uh, Burton was going to have a heck of a time trying to collect. Uh, But anyway, it was a pretty good day for Burton and the Rangers, seizing all that cargo. Um, Now, I mentioned earlier that Burton had written a couple of accounts of the incident. Burton referred to his his own men as a, quote, sea cavalry close quote. And a Colonel Edward Wilson later wrote a letter to either the Lexington Observer or the Kentucky Gazette in 1836. I found it in the Kentucky Gazette. And he described the capture of the ships, and he referred to Burton's men as a company of horse marines, thus coining the term horse marines, which survives to this day. Well, the loss of the cargo for the Mexican army was devastating. Urea, when Urea wrote an account of the Texas campaign, he described the army. He said, uh, quote, the horrible misery in which I found this army prevents it from pursuing the campaign, close quote. So think about it for a minute. What if the supplies on those three ships had reached their destination and had reached Urea's army and Filisola's army? What might have happened? Those armies would have been in much better shape, well-provisioned, presumably paid up, and presumably willing to fight. What if he had had a chance to get that army supplied? There was no Texas army at this time. Remember, they're all up. They've sort of dispersed. Some of the rangers have come down, Burton's rangers and some men with Rusk, but, uh, and then the men pursuing the retreating army, including Deef Smith, But those were skeleton crews. This was not an army prepared to engage uh, the main body of the Mexican army, which remained in Texas. So if those supplies had reached their destination, we might have had a big problem. So it turns out that Isaac Burton and his horse marines' capture of these ships was a little bit bigger deal than it might have appeared at the time. So after the war, 
Isaac Burton returns to Nacogdoches. He runs and loses a race for Senate in the first Congress of the Republican. He actually filed an election contest over that. He traveled all the way to Columbia from Nacogdoches to contest that election, but uh, was held that Robert Erion won that election fair and square. Uh, He went back to surveying. He also started a newspaper called the Texas Chronicle. The Texas Chronicle was one of the first newspapers to endorse Marabou Lamar for president. One of the things that you'll find in Isaac Burton's memoir is a little bit of a screed against Sam Houston. So he was definitely not a huge fan of Sam Houston, uh, which made him by default a fan of Marabou Lamar, and he endorsed him for president. Uh, Burton also had a hand in organizing the Milam Lodge, the Masonic Lodge in Nacogdoches. He was also an original member, along with Marabou Lamar and David Burnett, as a matter of fact, of the Philosophical Society of Texas, which still exists, was founded in Houston. Uh, Burnett and Lamar, of course, being vehement, vehemently against Houston. He finally uh, won an election for the Senate in the second Congress. He also served in the third and the fourth Texas Congress. He was also, interestingly, on Marabou Lamar's commission to select the capital of Texas, which led to the Archives War, which we discussed in another episode of Wise About Texas. So uh, Isaac Burton was clearly uh, on Lamar's side and against Houston, including through the selection of Austin as the uh, current capital of Texas. Well, um, Albert Sidney Johnston, remember Burton's classmate from West Point? He was Secretary of War uh, later in the Republic of Texas and resigned. Burton wanted to replace Johnston as Secretary of War, and he lobbied hard for the position. And up popped Sam Houston, who, of course, uh, never had a, a man at loss for an opinion, criticized Burton. And uh, this is what Sam Houston said about Burton. Quote, Burton is a very base man and cannot be relied on in any station of government, close quote. And Burton did not get the job. So um, once uh, Burton did not get the job under Lamar, he turned on Lamar and uh, criticized him roundly in public. And that, of course, uh, ended his political future. So Burton retired to a plantation uh, between the Natchez River and the Angelina River where he passed away in January 1843. He was buried in Glenwood Cemetery in Crockett, Texas, one of the oldest cemeteries in that area. And uh, one, one more interesting thing before we leave the story of Isaac Burton. The term horse marine has been used by the military, and I heard the term long before I knew this story, but it has been used by the military all the way at least through the Korean War And occasionally, you'll still hear that term, horse marine. Well, when you do, just remember that it all started on the south coast of Texas. All right, now we're going to come to the part of the program I'll call Getting There, where I tell you how to visit a couple of the places I mentioned in the episode. Isaac Burton is buried in Glenwood Cemetery, which is on East Pease Avenue in Crockett, Texas. It's very easy to find. Get on Google Maps, right kind of in the center of town there. Uh, That cemetery is very historic. It has graves back to 1837. And uh, be very careful in Glenwood Cemetery because they say it's haunted. Copano was located about, the site of Copano uh, was about five miles north of present-day Bayside, 
Texas, Bayside's uh, on Copano Bay. And unfortunately, the exact site of Copano was on a bluff over the bay. It's private, and there's no access. It's owned, as far as I know, still owned by an estate, and there's no way to get in there. Um, so that's you can't go to the exact site, but you can go very close. And if you get on the website of preservationtexas.org, that's preservationtexas.org, you can see a little blurb about Copano, and it's um, one of their sites designated as endangered and eventually designated as lost, but there's a little something on it there, and you can check that out. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Wise About Texas. I hope that your summer is going very well and continues to go very well. Take a minute and tell a friend about this podcast. As I mentioned in the introduction, we're going to pass 100,000 downloads with this episode. I'm very excited about that. Let's see if we can get to 200,000, and we can do that if you'll like and share our Facebook page. And the show's on Instagram at Wise About Texas. It's on Twitter at Wise About Texas. And let me know your ideas for topics for the show. You can email me at host at wiseabouttexas.com. Thanks again for tuning in to learn a little bit about Texas history. Have a great summer. Go out and do something for Texas today. And until next time, God bless Texas, and we'll see you down the road.